The following Dharma talk was given for the Insight Meditation Community of Charlottesville, Virginia. Please visit our website at imeditation.org. So tonight we're talking about sympathetic joy. And there are other names for sympathetic joy. Uh, one of them might be appreciative joy. And I like empathetic joy. It's joy happiness that arises when you experience or watch someone else, see somebody else who's happy. And there's the, the natural welling up of a sense of oh, happiness at their happiness. In Pali, the ancient Pali term for sympathetic joy is mudita. You don't have to remember that. But it is a term that the Buddha used. He talked a lot about sympathetic joy and three other heart qualities. This is what we are doing, and this is part of our series. We are offering 10 different sessions on the four heart qualities. The four heart qualities are loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. So, sympathetic joy, as you should mention, is number three. And we have already discussed the first two of these. Tonight, we will be discussing sympathetic joy. And, as with each one of the other sessions, we're doing it in two sessions. Our first session is the exploration of what is the quality. And then the second one is practice, a practice session with that quality. Because, you know, the Buddha, his whole teaching was really focused on practice. It wasn't about learning a list of things. It wasn't about just learning principles, although the principles are important because they're scaffolding, they're framework. But the point of it all is, do it. That's what he was saying. Come and do it. In fact, he did say that. Come and find it true for yourself. Don't believe what People say, don't believe what I say, be the Buddha. Come and find the truth for yourself. And so it's in that spirit that we are really offering two sessions on each one of these qualities. The first one, the exploration, the discussion tonight on sympathetic joy. And then the following one, the exercises and working with them. And Helen, who is back here, is going to be in a couple of weeks offering a session some of the exercises, practicing sympathetic joy. Mm -hmm. So, sympathetic joy, in fact, <coughs> is natural to us. Like all the other qualities, the Buddha called these qualities Brahma Baharas. And again, it's a term you don't have to remember the term. So it's a nice term. It means the abode of the gods, Brahma being a high god in the ancient India tradition, mean that they are sublime. They're beautiful. They don't mean that you're actually going to the boat of gods. It's not like this literally. But it is that these are really beautiful qualities that enhance our life when we express them. They make us feel better. They make those around us feel better the heart quality. It's a 
energon. It is natural, a natural arising. I wanted to tell you a couple of stories to illustrate just how natural these are. And I'm going to start with these two stories. Both are stories that were told by Greg Boyle, Gregory Boyle. Some of you have read his works. Gregory Boyle was a Jesuit priest. And he uh, lives and works in Los Angeles and has the largest gang intervention operation, really, in the world. As he said, anyway, Los Angeles is kind of gang central. And he's working down there. He has started an operation decades ago now called Homeboy Industries. Also, it's called Homegirl Industries. For that building gangs. And what he does is he offers a place for them to be accepted, to find tenderness, and to find, importantly, work opportunities. There's a bakery and a variety of other work opportunities. So these are two stories he told in one of his books is called Barking to the Choir. I really highly recommend both of his books. They are books that touch the heart to see the work that he is creating. So one of these stories tells a story about one of these people. He calls them homies, homeboy, homies. One of the homies, uh, a former gang member, was sitting on the bus, and he, like, the, the, the man told Greg the story. And by the way, I will call him Greg. Actually, they call him G for short. So Greg is practically a formality. Uh, I'm not being informal by call, not calling him Father Boyle. Nobody calls him Father Boyle. So anyway, one of these homies told him the story. He said he was riding on a bus in, in LA. And door opened and a, another, a gang member got on, someone he knew from his past. And the gang member recognized him. He walked over to this homie and he stood in front of the, the, the homie was sitting down in the bus. And the other guy stood in front of him. And they got to talking and the man asked the boy, uh, the man asked the homie, so how are you doing? Are you getting involved in any of the gang activities? And he said, no, I, I no longer for me. He said, I am now part of this homeboy industry. And he has weird his t-shirt, pointed to the t-shirt. And he was saying about the work that they're doing. And he said he's found a better life. He's not going back to the gang activities. And he could see that this other man was kind of interested. And so he said, Maybe you would like to try it out. And what he did was he wrote down the, the, the address of how to get in touch with Homeboy Industries. And the other man took this little piece of paper. And when the other man's stop came up, uh, this homie walked into the door of the bus and then walked back to his seat. So he later told Greg, he said something happened as he walked back to the seat that had never happened before in his life. He said the people on the bus were smiling at him and nodding. He said for the first time he was respected. And I would like to suggest that these people, their reaction was sympathetic joy. They saw a man who had made some wise decisions, that he was happy with them, and they were happy for him. Sympathetic joy. And a second story that Greg told about the homies. 
Usually when he travels, he, he, he's invited to talk in many, many different places about his activities, the activities of the homeboy industry. When he travels outside the city, maybe also in the city, but he said when he travels outside the city, he usually invites two of the homies to come with him for a couple of different reasons. Number one, it gives him a chance to travel by plane, which many of them have never done. And then number two, it's an opportunity for them to tell their stories to an audience that by and large is going to really listen. And the stories of their youth are just almost universally horrendous stories. These gang members have come from just horrible <coughs> experiences. <coughs> so, Greg tells the story. At one time, he invited two men to come with him. The name of one was Mario. And he said that Mario, of all the homies, he was the most highly tattooed of all of them. He said on his arms, his neck, and his face. He said on his face, there was only a little bit of his face where his mouth was really his eyes. The rest were tattoos. So Greg said, as they were in the airport, people took a look at this man and they would draw their children close and they would move back. He was fearsome looking, scary looking. Greg also said that in fact Mario, the name of this tattooed man, was the kindest and gentlest of the homies. Of all the homies, he was the one who was so kind and gentle. So at any rate, they go to a talk, and as Greg said, there are about a thousand people. It was a really big talk. Um, and as usual, he asked the homies if they would tell the story five minutes. Not the only It was made of Greg who spoke, but he would give the homies five minutes or so to tell the story of their youth, which they did. And as usual, you know, the audience was just so really struck by these stories, just amazed at the horror and when these guys were. So at the end, Greg opened it up for questions. And one woman stood up and she said, I have a question for Mario. Mario came forward. Mario was also, Greg said, really shy. So he came forward and kind of a little bit nervous. And this woman said, Mario, I have a question for you. She said, what is it that you teach your children? Because he was a father. And this blew Mario away. He wasn't expecting, he thought it was going to be a question about his past or something like that. But in fact, it's about his children in the future. And he utterly stuttered and stumbled. And finally he said, I don't want my kids to be like me. And then she stood up and she said, why wouldn't you want your kids to be like you? You are a fine man, a wise and kind man. I hope your kids will be like you. And with this, Mario just broke down in tears. And the rest of the audience stood up and they clapped. So here was an entire audience who were responding, again, in sympathetic joy, the beauty of what one man had done, this man, to turn his life around and the emotion that he felt at all, and the way he still played himself down. Sympathetic joy, the whole audience of a, of a thousand people stood up. 
though, sympathetic joy, a natural, natural response. I think of all the hard qualities that we not just mentioned, kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. Sympathetic joy is talked about least. Somebody commented that sympathetic joy only gets honorable mention amongst the qualities. And I'll be here about it. So I was thinking about that. I think there are two reasons that sympathetic joy isn't that much talked about, maybe not even thought about. And I think the first reason is that, you know, in the Buddhist tradition, um, there's a big focus on suffering, is there not? Not from a negative point of view, but how is it that we can overcome suffering? Not about being dismal, you know, that, that's not it. But it is how to overcome suffering, the Four Noble Truths that the Buddha articulated, which is the foundation of his teaching, that there is suffering in life, the truth, of the truth, the truth is suffering, that that comes from attachment, from holding on. And then if we can let go and loosen to what we are holding on to and that's making us suffer, yes, then there can be happiness. And he then spoke about the uh, eightfold pathway, steps to happiness. So at any rate, the focus often is on suffering. And when you think about suffering, you know, sympathetic joy is maybe not the first thing that we come to or think of. But I would like to point out that spiritual maturity actually means the recognizing that happiness and positive qualities in life are just as important as suffering. The Buddha spoke about the Four Noble Truths, but it by no means is limiting life on this world, in this world, to, form, to suffering. Right? So when we are developed and become mature in our spirituality, we begin to recognize that all of it, we need to accept all of it and see it in the proper perspective, including suffering on levels sometimes we don't want to recognize. So that's one reason I think sympathetic joy isn't that often thought about, spoken about. But there is another reason. And I think that, because you know, when someone is suffering, it is natural for a heart to go out to them, to want to help them. When someone is happy, well, other factors can kick in, can't they? Like, hmm. Well, why do they deserve that? You know, I work just as hard as they do. I'm just as loving, I'm just as whatever, fill in the blank of that. Why do they get that? We compare. Hmm? Comparing mine, right? And I think that's something that all of us recognize, comparing mine. And I think comparing mine so easily come up when someone else is happy. So, I think that's a reason why we may not think so readily of sympathetic joy. Something else comes up. It is said in traditional practice that the four enemies, or the enemies of sympathetic joy, are envy and jealousy. It's this comparing mind. 
And I have to tell you, the envy and jealousy, I never, I always used to get them mixed up, or I still get them mixed up, but I looked them up because I figured if I couldn't talk about it tonight, I ought to know the difference. So envy is a, a quality. Envy, I'm quoting, is a feeling of discontent and ill will because of another's advantages, possessions, etc. Wanting what somebody else has, that's envy. Jealousy is quality, here it is, is about a person. Uh, the quality of being resentfully suspicious of a rival or a rival's influence. That's the definition. But at any rate, you can get the, the point. It's all about comparison, right? And uh, seeing yourself on the downside of that. So those are the far enemies. I'd like to point out also, as some of you know, uh, to the, the Germans have gone a step beyond that. There's another word in German, and that is Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude is the quality of actually gloating over someone else's ill fortune. That's just being kind of happy when they have that. Now, you know, we can kind of laugh or we smile at that, but to recognize it maybe every once in a while. Maybe. You know, it just doesn't have to be a mega event. It can be a little flash, a little flash of response. And then you might even think, oh dear, how did I do that? Or why did they do But you know, it's the human heart does these things. So shout and try to. And we're talking about the other side of it, and that sympathetic joy. Uh, in reading, a lot of the Asians, when they talk about sympathetic joy, tend to say that sympathetic joy happens most readily in families. That it's easier in families to be happy for a family member than it is you know, just to be happy for somebody you don't know as well. And I thought, hmm, I don't think that's necessarily the case in this culture. I think, I think, you know, just think of sibling rivalry. Even, is it not so, that some of parents are jealous, can be jealous of a child who's perhaps far out of children? Just something for us to think about. You know, sympathetic joy can be lacking in, in family life. Um, I think, now, I just told you what are the traditional far enemies of sympathetic joy. And that is envy, comparison, jealousy. I think there's another enemy. Now, this is just my teaching. You don't have to take this in the words of the movie. It is not. But I think it's fear. And if James Barrett, teacher of Spirit Rock, tells a story. He tells a story of a mother named Eden. And uh, she had, I don't know how many children, but her oldest daughter was six years old. And she did, was so fearful and wanted so strongly to prevent any suffering in that child's life that she was always looking to see when the child might be unhappy to try to help her out or support her or whatever. But she was looking for the unhappiness not for the joy in the child. And then she learned about sympathetic joy in the teaching of James uh, in Spirit Rock. And she sent him an email after she learned about this. It turned her around in terms of her responses. And she said, since she's been using sympathetic joy in 
looking for the goodness and the happiness. She said, we have since had some beautiful moments together when I've shared her joy and aliveness. I've let that resonate with me and felt happy. And I got the impression that my happiness in turn was resonating with her. I feel this is strengthening and nurturing her as much more than the worrying mode. Sympathetic joy. She overcame and was willing to set aside her fear and simply participate in sharing the child's joy. I would also like to suggest, I think there is a, another enemy of sympathetic joy. I was just talking about comparison, when we see ourselves on the downside, you know, like, why did they deserve it, I didn't, and that prevents you from enjoying their good fortune. I think the other, another enemy is arrogance, when you've got lots more than the other person. And then when they are happy, yes, you can come, still comparing mine. Oh, how nice, I'm so happy for you that tone, <laughs> you know that tone? Yeah, filtered through a sense of being superior, of having it, kind of patronizing. This too is not sympathetic joy. So there are reasons why maybe sympathetic joy is not as often spoken about as loving kindness and compassion, or even equanimity. So here's a quote going on. Here's a quote from a Tibetan teacher, Pato Rinpoche. And he said, whenever catching sight of others, look on them with an open, loving heart. When we do it that, look on them with an open, loving heart. And the other person's experiencing happiness, then we are experiencing sympathetic joy. That's our response. You could call it, I think, the good eye. A good eye and a good heart is what sympathetic joy requires. Now, I would say, this kind of triggered for me a thought, in the Arab world, there is a superstition, and that's a superstition about the evil eye. And the effort is to ward off the evil eye. And how is the superstition actually, I'm not saying anybody believes it, but with a good eye. And a good eye, interestingly, is a blue eye. Many Arab homes have the replica of a blue eye. Now, I would know this personally because I was married to a man who was born and raised in Cairo. And what we had in our um, foyer, I think, in, in the hallway, was a good eye. It was a turquoise blue ceramic piece about three inches in diameter. And we hung it in the hallway, as they are in other homes, in homes in the Arab world. And that means when uh, misfortune comes into the door, it's going to see the blue eye, the good eye, and beat it. Presumably it's going to go to somebody else. But anyway, the idea is we don't want the, the bad eye, the evil eye. So I would like to suggest that you know, it is a better thing to have our own good eye. I think that's what Pacho Rinpoche To be able to look upon others with a good eye and a good heart. 
some qualities of sympathetic joy thinking about that. And first of all, say, well, first of all, I'm going to give you a quote. Uh, this is uh, a Sri Lankan woman who was a teacher and a Buddhist. And here she's talking about sympathetic joy. And here's what she said. She defined it as joy and appreciation flowing out of the core of one's heart towards others like water from a spring flowing from the bowels of the earth. Wow. <laughs> I don't know about you, but how often do you have the upflowing from the core of your heart toward others like water flowing out the spring from the bowels of the earth? You know, I, I think sympathetic joy is so much simpler than that. By the way, her name was Eileen Siri Wahana. It's beautiful, her definition. And I also think it's a little off-putting. It makes it feel almost unattainable to be experiencing sympathetic joy. So I think sympathetic joy, talking about the qualities, is a whole lot simpler than that. I think it comes up naturally. Like, for example, say you see a mother and her toddler walking someplace in front of you, and then the toddler gets tired and kind of sits on the ground and mama reaches down, picks up the toddler and cuddles him and they both smile and exchange this just a little loving moment. You see that and you smile. Sympathetic joy. Sympathetic joy at seeing that. And I'm going to say, never mind if in the next moment you think, oh yeah, remembering your own son and then knowing now that he's a teenager and isn't talking to you. You know, this is what happened to the toddler, your toddler. Or maybe you think, oh, I never had a son. I really wish I had a son. Maybe that happens the moment after the up, rising up of sympathetic joy. I'd like to suggest that it's really important that we honor, we honor those good qualities that we have. <clears throat> Instead of piling on top all of the qualifications that come afterwards. The, oh, yeah, well, my son doesn't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. It's so simple. And we so seldom honor what we ordinarily do so automatically, so naturally. So that is our invitation for us to really recognize who we are and the goodness that we have. A sympathetic joy also is unlimited. It's not like you can give it away or have too often. And uh, here is a quote from a woman who asked a Thai monk, and she was talking about loving kindness, but I think it's not a big stretch to get to sympathetic joy also. And she said, Ajahn, she talking to Thai, he was Thai. You know, can't I give away too much of this loving kindness? And I say, too much of the sympathetic joy? Is that going to deplete me in some way? And his response was, no, no way does it deplete you. Sympathetic joy, loving kindness. To think, to think such a, in fact, we call it a narrow-hearted thought. To think such thing, narrow-hearted. There is no limit to it. He said it's like having a lit candle in your hands that this person asks you to light a candle from yours. That person asks to light a candle from hers. The more candles you light, the brighter it is for everyone, including you. Sympathetic joy. 
the more you experience it, the more you offer it. The brighter the candle, the brighter the candle. Furthermore, sympathetic joy is without agenda. It's pure. It's simple. It's done for its own sake. It occurred to me a story I heard some years ago now. I was attending a workshop. And at that workshop, uh, a woman who was a hospice nurse told her one of her stories. <coughs> she lived in Hollywood. was terminal and he was a big figure in Hollywood. She didn't say his name. She offered to throw a party for him, for his friends, so they could say goodbye. And he said, yes, that would be a good idea. And he refunded. So she did. She threw a big, beautiful party. It was beautifully served, and the food, the music, everything was beautiful. And the friends, the guest, also beautiful, the Hollywood royalty, I guess you would say. So after the party was over, she was meeting with her client again. And she said, so did you enjoy it? Was it a good party? And he said, yes, it was. And she said, did you really like it? And she came at it again. And he pulled back. And he said, what do you want, a medal? <laughs> She told this story, and she said, in that moment, she realized, yes, that is what she wanted. First of all, she wanted to be in contact with the Hollywood royalty, and she was, or had been. And now she wanted to say how wonderful a job she was, and what a wonderful nurse she was. She wanted the praise. And I give her huge credit for saying this at this workshop to all these people that she didn't know. So that to honor her for her honesty and by the way, such honesty is exactly what we cultivate, what we cultivate in our practice. That's what it's about. Being honest with yourself and here she had the courage to be honest with others as well. I tell the story now because to say that her happiness here was not sympathetic joy, was it? Her, she wasn't just being happy for his happiness at the party. She wasn't just being happy because he enjoyed the party. She had an agenda. So that is what we are invited to notice, of course, about all this. When is it pure? And when is there an agenda? What do you have? It's a part of it. Just be honest, not to blame yourself. Can we be honest and just hold it? We're human, you know? And as human beings, these things happen. That's what the human heart does. So I'd like to conclude with another little story or a little feature. And that is Rudolph the Red Nose Ring. Do you remember him? So I'm going to remind you. I'm losing my voice. But nonetheless, 
I'm going to try to remind you. Certainly I've been. I never heard of him. 
What he has done, he is an environmentalist, and he has now made a three-part movie that they, his team of people, have interviewed 5,000 people from around the world. And he's taken clips of asking all of them their 40 basic questions, like, what's happiness? Basic questions. And from those 5,000, they've selected clips, maybe a couple minutes each, of individuals speaking and giving their own answers. These are so compelling. So I, I, watching all three of these volumes are wonderful, but I'm going to invite you for our next time, before Helen, uh, on the 22nd, I think it is, is going to be uh, presenting exercises with sympathetic joy. I'm inviting you to take a look at the first volume. It's an hour and 20, hour and 25 minutes. And notice your responses to these various comments that people make. Are any of them the heart qualities, including sympathetic joy? When those are expressing happiness, do people joyfully? Or does your heart go out in compassion? Or about loving kindness? So So that's the invitation. Enjoy it. Thank you.